Hello and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Fantastic Mr. Podcast. In this season three opener, we're going to finally be talking about one of my favorite movies and the namesake of the Fantastic Mr. Podcast, the Fantastic Mr. Fox. So join us as we discuss Wes Anderson's first of two animation feature films, Fantastic Mr. Fox. So, Fantastic Mr. Fox came out in 2009. Zach thought it came out like last year or something. As I swear, I saw the trailer in at least the past five years. But I guess being in the news business, it messes with your mind. I do remember the trailer. I remember when the movie came out and the trailer, and I thought, this looks like an animated Ocean's Eleven because it had George Clooney in it. And that's kind of what it reminds me of anyway. Um, so yeah, starring George Clooney and Meryl Streep, Jason Schwartzman and Bill Murray and a bunch of other randos, including like Wes Anderson's normal people, Willem Dafoe and Owen Wilson. Um, wow. Voicing, yeah. Like the people that are always in his movies, Willem Dafoe, Bill Murray, Owen Wilson. Job security. So uh, let's start with what did you guys, y'all, y'all hadn't seen this movie or y'all hadn't, it's been a while. This was my first had, time seeing it. Okay. I had tried to watch it, and I say tried to watch it um, a couple years ago, and I didn't make it that far. It didn't really catch my interest. And then I came back and I watched it again this time. So what did you think about uh, it this time? It was very okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you're very okay. So, um, Okay. I don't know. Very- it was, uh, we'll get into it. Okay. I have a problem with all of Wes Anderson's films in which I feel like he takes more joy in, and I guess this works on some extent, but he, he takes more joy in the telling of the story than telling the story itself. Yeah. Um, and Almost so, like yeah. And so a lot of his movies don't quite do it for me, um, but beautiful images. I love the fact that it was, stop motion I thought I thought that brought a wonderful charm to it um and overall it was a quite nice film quite hey, what nice. about you Zach what did you think about it I think it was a visual spectacle for me since I haven't seen many stop motion features and George Clooney I love him <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah he kind of kept me engaged I enjoyed the kind of the maturity of the movie because i think the trailer watching it i just watched it uh i think it's a bit deceiving of the tone of the film and mm-hmm. kind of makes it come across as this oh whippersnapper constant engagement type of movie easy to digest whereas i think it uh I, I missed uh, these characters are semi- seemingly just an animal's uh clothing essentially mm-hmm. uh that they just they kind of come across more as human than anything and uh it's not as very 
clever humor i feel like the dialogue's uh nice and mm-hmm. it, it's about a guy that's trying to not like, realize that i mean he, he's more than just an animal yeah. <laughs> he just want to be, be a wild animal um and he's trying to get not live in a hole wants to live in a more prestigious yeah like environment a tree. Yeah, tree um but i like the the interaction between his son and is it the nephew or the yeah. cousin the nephew? It's, his, it's his cousin yeah it's ash's cousin but it's fox's nephew yeah i think that was probably one of my favorite like relationship things going on in the movie and how the the son kind of re, it's like kind of reveres the the, the guy and mm-hmm. his his skill and uh you, you can see some of the development uh, of the son over the course of the movie and i mean again it's not a bombastic uh, like, like little kids are going to be necessarily into this or understand half of what's going on in terms of They're the right. messaging. But even for yeah. me, I was a little confused at points. But overall, I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm not a big Wes Anderson fanatic, uh, so I don't know what's what his style is, other than you know, as you've mentioned, and it's pretty mm-hmm. probably probably known universally that he does the uniformity of of shots, which is. Yeah. I like it's, it's different. I like, I like to call it symmetrical. Symmetrical. Very, he's very symmetrical. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of you know kids and like all that, I remember when I was working at the library. I did work at the Sling County Library, and uh, one of the um, one of my coworkers was gonna check out Isle of Dogs for her kids, and I was like, you know, that's probably. I was like, your kids probably aren't gonna enjoy that. She's like, I just thought it was a movie about dogs. I'm like, yeah, it is a movie about dogs, but it's just the the dialogue and the style the style maybe but like the dialogue and the characters it's just very like the thing about wes anderson's dialogue is it's very flat it's like very flat sometimes very fast it's like kind of like uh what's that show golly what is that show called i'm running uh, a blank um gilmore, girls? gilmore girls thank you gilmore girls there we go it's like yeah it's like the gilmore girls where they they like have have response for everything you know what I mean? I haven't seen the show, but just from clips I've seen, and it kind of reminds mm-hmm. me of Aaron Sorkin's dialogue too. Like I just finished the newsroom and like, it, and like, yeah. And it's, you know, Aaron Sorkin with uh, the newsroom and the social network, like they always have either a clever retort or just something to say, like always. And it's very quick, very like, I don't know how you, would ever have a conversation like that in real life that you like just can't snarky like snarky yeah well snarky it's just like it's like i'm gonna say something you're gonna say something i'm gonna say something you're gonna say something like back to back to back to back to back, to back. The conversations don't don't do that you know what yeah. i mean like yeah for us I it's could, a bunch of uh, uh, uh but you know i mean we're I not feel, stupid but we just can't think of something immediately incredibly, it's incredibly enlightened dialogue yeah go ahead zach i feel like a lot of tv series have that style of dialogue at least designated survivor a lot of those action movies and um, shows i mean I, i'm just thinking about this the, the the dialogue and it just comes across as very you know, blase yeah it's just kind of but then again the visuals cut what kept me yeah the visuals i think that wes anderson stop motion versus other stop motion like let's say like Coraline, paranorman uh kubo and the two strings like that's more almost like big budget type stop motion if you will um whereas um what's his face wes anderson sorry his stuff is like 
like I, I read and he only did 12 frames per second just so we know that it's like a stop motion movie whereas these other movies I'm assuming don't do that because it's very 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 fluid with I don't know if you've seen any of the movies I just mentioned but it's very like fluid type stop motion um, it's almost like it's computer animated which there's probably more computer animation in those movies than in you know any of Wes Anderson's stop motion which I read and the only CGI they used was when they flooded the the underground mm-hmm. with with the yeah with the um the cider that was the only CGI used in the whole movie I thought that was pretty awesome um so yeah the visuals definitely and I like to see what they use for different things like I read for the waterfall they just used like saran wrap whenever they're trying to figure that out I was trying yeah. to figure out if it was tin like tinsel or aluminum foil well, you think, said it was saran wrap? Yeah, that, I read that it was saran wrap, which I think tinsel is used as well, sometimes for water. Um, and then, of course, for, like, smoke and the fire extinguisher, it's like cotton balls. Like, I like to know what those things are just because it's interesting to kind of know what they had to, had to use in order to make these different effects. So what did you think about George Clooney as, as Mr. Fox? I think he had a great voice for it. I think that was a very solid choice, particularly given the dialogue in the film. Mm-hmm. He fits that kind of all-knowing, wisecracking character very well. I mean, it's like Ocean's Eleven, right? Have yeah. you seen Ocean's Eleven or Twelve or Thirteen? Yeah. It's just he's very, he's very good at what he does. He's very like, uh, sort of charming, good-looking, even as a fox. You know what I mean? His voice sounds like his voice fits the character. I think. What about you, Zach? How you like Ethan George Clooney? Yeah, it was a good choice. Kept me engaged throughout. Meryl Streep played Mrs. Fox. I don't know if y'all recognized her voice or looked it up, but she played Mrs. Fox. What did you think about her? Yeah, I think she was, I mean, I didn't recognize immediately, but appreciated Meryl Streep. A lot of big names. Uh, it seems like they do that a lot with animated yeah. movies. They bring in the big name Voices. actors. Yeah. But, well, you know, it, it started, kind of started with Robin Williams and, and the genie, you know, like that's kind of when they started using, they were like, you know, we could probably make more money if we use this popular comedian as a voice now i mean it, it, i don't think it really saved the, the movie in terms of the how it performed but um talking about ha- fantastic mr fox yeah i don't think it like did the best but uh i don't know i, I mean yeah it certainly helps bring people in for sure um having these big names attached to the these animated characters well i know that when i saw the trailer i thought of course the first thing i thought was oceans 11 but then i was like but i like oceans i think my favorite out of those three was oceans 13 because they weren't robbing anything they were just trying to get this one guy from winning an award and i thought that was like a little different than what you know oceans 12 sucked anyway sorry we're not talking about that we could talk about batman though if you want zach uh, because george clooney yeah (laughs) the bat nipples uh nipples The trailer for Fantastic Fox did seem quite deceptive. Like you mentioned, it comes across as kind of like Ocean's Eleven's mm. zany hijinks sort of situations. And the movie's much more subdued than that. It's really more of an introspective look at like, well, I guess it'd be like an introspective look at greed and how it can affect families. If you think about it, all oh, yeah. the main characters are trying to get trying to get something. Well, it's kind of like um, if you ever seen Breaking Bad or Ozark where uh, – like Breaking Bad, you got Walter White who takes on this persona of um, Heisenberg and starts selling, making 
and selling crystal meth. And it's just like all throughout the show, he starts out here, right? Finds out he has cancer, decides I'm going to start cooking meth in order to someone I die, my family will have money. And it just goes from here. Like his life and his family life is affected like up here, you know, down here until the end. And it's like, it gets just gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And uh, then you have Ozark about a guy who lets a Mexican cartel launder money through his company. And then they end up having to move to the Ozarks and their life goes from here to, you know, down here. It just gets worse and worse. And it's kind of like for the fantastic Mr. Fox, he's like, you know, she says, I'm pregnant and I want you to find another line of work. And then they move to the tree and then he decides I want to do one last job. And it just kind of gets worse from, from there until the end whenever they're like they finally you know figured everything out but you think you know it's kind of hard well maybe not hard to tell but you kind of wonder is this going to end bad for them or not of course it doesn't right they find the supermarket and they're able to drink straight from uh juice boxes which is weird because i feel <laughs> like juice boxes those juice boxes should be a lot larger than what they <laughs> actually are now that i think about it oh yeah so i don't know if um you guys read about this but a lot of the the dialogue was recorded not in a studio but like out in the wilderness or in an attic or underground and stuff so did y'all notice that watching watching the movie i don't think i noticed it watching the movie but i do remember watching behind the scenes for that of like the model in a field talking yeah the 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 behind the scenes feature is actually pretty uh interesting to watch whenever you know you got george clooney and the dude i don't know who was oh well it might have been bill murray i can't remember but they're like you know, in the middle of a field and they're acting like foxes, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. I noticed it a little bit um, with some of Kylie's dialogue. I noticed like it was like, it sounded um, almost echoey and stuff. Um, hmm. So I noticed just a little bit, not very much, but then you have Meryl Streep who I think did all hers in the studio. Um, so you can kind of tell with, with Mrs. Fox that she's not, you know, she's got some sort of professional voice recording going on as opposed to the other guys so was that distracting for you nope i thought it was really cool i, I mean it, it, it depends on how you just find distracting yeah Audio it, distract, it distracted me for a second but i wasn't like oh my god that sounds horrible i was like this that's cool because i knew the process that went into it you know what i mean so for me i kind of appreciated it it was distracting but it wasn't like a negative distracting i was like oh this is that sounds like you can tell the difference between what it should sound like as like, you know, we just came out with the, and by we, I mean, they just came out with Super Mario Brothers movie. Clearly all those guys recorded in a studio, right? They didn't go out and record in the middle of a field. Um, so you can tell the difference between being in a studio as opposed to being out in the field or underground or in an attic or anything. How can like you that. tell aside from audio quality, just in terms of performance? No, just audio quality. Like, that's it. The performances were the same, like, but it was mainly audio quality. Mm -hmm. so uh, you think, I think for doing it in a field or in a, other than a studio, you'd be able to interact uh, with the other actor uh, in, a, in a way you probably wouldn't uh, in mm -hmm. a well, you wouldn't, enclosed like, environment. Personally, I think having him out in the field in places probably would add a layer of creativity and ambiance to it because like okay, you could actually kind of make pretend almost and if you don't worry about the camera being on you can try all sorts of things yeah I, like looking at some of the behind the scenes stuff you see some of the actors with like their their 
script in their in their hand, looking down, and and, and then it looks like George Clooney's on a driving something like a tractor or a car. Yeah, yeah. So like, you you have early voice recording, and the th- first thing I think of is Toy Story because I was pretty young when that came out. But you know, you have Tom Hanks and Tim Allen in a booth together, whereas now do it all separately so it is kind of nice like even even though it was in 2009 so that was what like 12 years ago or something like that 13 years ago you know essentially working in a booth together and but you're not in a booth right you're kind of playing off you're able to play off each other even as a for voice recording so who was the big bad of this movie again what was his name well there's Bogus Bunsen Bean one yes. fat one short one lean <laughs> those uh, are uh, yeah. I think it was uh, Bean. The, the the biggest one I think was Bean, the one that made his own he, he made a species of turkey and a species of apple and uh makes his own cider and all that stuff. I th- I think yeah. it was Bean and uh I liked I like the villains in this movie, especially him. And I thought it was interesting that all the humans were British but all the animals were American accents. Did you notice that? Oh, I don't know if they were if he meant to do that. I know that Roald Dahl was British, you know, but all the animals were American. So I don't know if he did that on purpose or not. But I don't know. And if he like did, in, just like in Star Wars, everything goes back to Star Wars, where the Imperials are usually have an English accent of some sort. Do they really? The bad guys. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, I guess. Um, At least the officers. Yeah. Right. I I did catch that uh, Bean was voiced by Michael Gambon. So I recognized, uh, I was like, what is Dumbledore doing there? <laughs> Dumbledore. <laughs> Look him up mid-show. Is that is that the the first Dumbledore? I assume. No, he's the second. second. Oh, yeah, I can hear it now in my head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hang on. I'm going to look him. Oh, yeah, it is Dumbledore. Oh. Dumbledore. I didn't even know that. That's uh, That's cool. I don't remember familiar. Anything. And I think if you looked at him closely, I think they even model his face after him. They, they look the same. Yeah, I hear it now in his in his in the voice of of Bean. Where uh, now that you mention it, dang dude, that's cool. I didn't know that. I like when he rages and destroys the room. Yeah, I, I just watched. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get to finish the the movie because like during while I was watching the movie, I was super tired, so I had to like pause it and sleep for a second. Um, but I did get to that part where he just like rages and then he stops. He's like, I have an idea. <laughs> and that's when he decides to flood the the flint mine. I thought that it's was brutal. a cool scene. I like the I like the scenes where they're they're like oh shoot where they're like kind of far out, um, zoomed out kind of and like when they're they're like going through the tunnels in the cider and it's so funny because they're like rolling around in the water and then they stop and they're just straight and then they're rolling around in the water and then they stop and just straight and it's kind of the same whenever they they go steal more food after they've been you know chased down into the hole and they get up to the the top and they're like all dancing in the in the buildings and i thought that was freaking funny because it's funny to stop and watch how each character dances um and then at the end of course you know they all dance together and mrs fox is pregnant again hey adrian brody is in this too i didn't know that i should have known that because he's in everything that wes anderson does so what y'all think about the music did you notice music in this movie a lot of folksy stuff it seemed like yeah i think it matches with the the color scheme you know because i read that a bunch of uh 
everything's you know autumn colors so yellow orange brown and stuff except for anything that christopherson wears because he's an outsider so he wears like blue and stuff like that um but it matches the like i i have the soundtrack on my spotify and i freaking love it like not even just the the music that was made for the movie but like some of the extra songs on there like the first song that um that plays was the davy crockett song like, yes. I, really, <laughs> I like that song and there's a, a beach boy song in there that I, I like a lot and i've you know the first time i ever heard them was this movie and like i remember i was pulling into my friend's parents house and i was kind of listening to david crockett song kind of loud um and then i got out of the car and her dad was like what do you listen to that song for i was like oh it's on a movie i like and you know he's like <laughs> almost 60 years old so he knows that song so have y'all read uh have y'all read the book before nope I've no, only ever read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And so how does Charlie the Chocolate Factory measure up against the, the movie, both movies? In terms of like the Willy Wonka adaptation and the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the movie? Eh, I prefer the book. Yeah. Even though the book's book's weird like, too. Well, like his his books aren't that long. You know, like they're like I, I looked at the Fantastic Mr. Fox, it's like eighty one pages long or something. Wow. And like my plan uh, for next semester was to read the book and then watch the movie in one of my classes. Um so I'm interested to see that I haven't read the book before. Um, but I'm interested to see what you know, the difference is what all I mean, Wes Anderson had to add a lot of stuff to take an eighty page book and make it into an hour and a half long movie. Like he would have just done what the book said it would have been maybe 20 minutes long they stretched it with purpose it worked i mean yeah i i think that this is one of the better book adaptations you know to a movie that i've ever seen just because uh it's wes anderson i think i'm a little partial (laughs) to be honest with you like i i enjoy a lot of wes anderson stuff and i think he was able to take what roll doll started and just kind of add to it but not add to it in a way that was like stupid you know like anything else i've ever seen that's a book adaptation or an adaptation from a book where they you know like i don't know if y'all have read um oh never mind i don't remember the freaking name of the, the book well I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to argue that there may be one other movie that's a better ap- ap- adaptation from a book, and that's the movie Holes. But I like with that movie. being said, with that being said I think the reason this movie works, uh, even with Wes Anderson expanding on it, is because he's kept the spirit of the book. Like The, the book was originally about, at least from what I can tell, it was about the dangers of kind of like greed and you know, giving into, I guess, the animalistic nature of a fox. Yeah. And it's the same deal with the movie. He just, he expanded upon it, but he still kept the same nature and, and meaning, spirit, and tone of the books. And he was able so, to keep his own style, which, you know, is important for Wes Anderson, uh, I think, in any any director that has a specific style that, you know, tries to adapt something they should keep or do their best to, you know, make it theirs as opposed to doing, you know, something that they probably won't recognize in 10 years or whatever. What so, was the symbolization of the the tail being removed? I think that was just an accident. Well, not an accident like they did on purpose, but it could potentially be like a wake up call. Was, yeah. That he's, he's not invincible kind of thing, which he probably thought he was maybe not invincible, but you know, impervious to some things or most things and then it's like nope you got your tail cut off and now it's being hails don't grow time. back like they had to talk about that like yeah hails don't grow back i think they said like when is there 
how long does it take for your toe to grow back? And it's like, you know, tell, uh, fox tails don't grow back. That's lizards, which is true. <laughs> Lizard tails do grow back. I mean, you're a big Wes Anderson fan. I mean, did mm-hmm. we talk about what were some of the examples of, of your favorite Wes Anderson moments or in terms of visuals or dialogue or i mean specific. it has his 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 uh his whole like jake was saying like telling the story as opposed to you know showing us the story and letting us see the story in front of our eyes like where you know like the whole bogus bunsen bean like when he describes who they are they do that he does that in every every movie i think i've ever seen and it's always like accompanied with like some sort of still shot of the person you know like i think i'm thinking of rushmore and talk about um him racing go-karts and he's just sitting in the middle of the or in the shot just sitting in his go-kart kind of thing like he's 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 all about that and like moonlight or moonrise kingdom where you know there's a the guy telling the story and just like he he's all about like text on screen symmetrical shots and saying and explaining a lot of stuff at the beginning of the film and that this film had it too and you know in his other animated featured isle of dogs you know if y'all have ever seen that like he does the same thing talking about the the island where they throw you know all the garbage and stuff like that like um just kind of like his staple it's like it's not a wes anderson movie without having to explain everything first um and then the dialogue is very kind of fast and we talked about that a little bit kind of fast kind of witty kind of quick and stuff like that so you know it's got it's got like even for something that's been adapted which i'm trying to think of anything else he's adapted i don't know if he's adapted anything else besides this movie um it's still like to me a wes anderson movie it's not like it's a you know somebody that's created bfg you know bfg is a rolled doll book as well and like a you know have all the CGI and stuff in it and trying to make it look like this Hollywood blockbuster. Whereas Wes Anderson's like, no, nah, I don't need to do all that. Like it's going to be stop motion, which I would expect that out of Wes Anderson. Like for some reason, if he would have tried like CGI or traditional animation, it might not have worked as well. I think with the stop motion being, you know, like with live action puppets, if you will move being moved around, like, that's I think that's more Wes Anderson style than anything else he could have done. So I think he did all the right things to make this a good adaptation. Do you when you guys watch the movie, do you did you get everything you wanted out of it, or do you feel like there was something more that you could have gotten from it? When I finished the film, I felt that it was good, but I also felt and this is I know this is a common complaint Wes Anderson gets. Mm-hmm. I felt that it was a little bit shallow. I wish he had delved down a little bit deeper into some of the character moments. It seemed like he hit a lot of, he skimmed across a lot of moments between like the father and son and the nephew and like Ash and Christoffelson, Ash and, you know, Mr. Fox and his wife, the, uh, the relationship between Fox and the like badger mm-hmm. you know it's like it felt like a lot of scenes would start to go and delve towards like a character arc and their character arcs over the film mm-hmm. but it felt like it would really start to almost dig into a character moment and then it would just flitter away to mm-hmm. the next scene and didn't really ever seem to land anywhere even the end where 
they spoilers you know they they've been trapped under the the tunnels and then they tunnel into the supermarket and they have all the food they could ever want because it's the weekend and it's closed <laughs> even then i thought well that doesn't solve the problem the store is going to open on monday and it's owned by those three guys so it's not over you know they're still yeah. they're gonna be right back in the situation they just bought themselves like two days time yeah it it's almost like it was setting up for a sequel <laughs> but it's not clearly but you know yeah yeah i thought that was kind of funny like i kind of thought the same thing because when they got to the supermarket and they're like yeah we got all this food now i'm like but what happens when the store opens again you know yeah like, are they gonna clean up are they like gonna I, clean up their mess? animals of course they're yeah not. and then what if they find the hole that they dug up from you know what i mean yeah I, or if they, they come in through a grate i can't remember but um yeah i thought about that too but i just kind of let it go i was like whatever you know the movie's over <laughs> at this point i don't really care um but yeah I, I think i see what you mean with the some of the relationships like you think they it's almost like he does just enough to get by and then doesn't go doesn't go more into it you know what i mean like yeah. like specifically with fox and the badger the badger's clearly his lawyer right um and he's like don't buy this house and they and then he calls him foxy um but also kylie calls him foxy which i thought was kind of weird because he just met kylie kylie was the super that did all the robberies with him right and uh i'm like why 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 does kylie call him foxy why is kylie like with him all the time it's just it was kind of weird how they yeah, just at some point at some point like the possum was living with them yeah that's what i'm saying like it, he he's sleeping over at their house and so i'm like i don't understand how this friendship got made so quickly like where where was the time from when they met to the to the character growth throughout to see how you know he's just like hey i need your help with this and he did it he does it he just does it because i guess fox has mr fox has like some sort of power over people yeah and just can have them do whatever they want but like thinking about like um his relationship with his son and his relationship with his lawyer they're almost the same you know except for he does go just a little bit deeper into the relationship with his son when he's like you know if i'm if i were to have a son i'm glad at you you know what i mean that that kind of was a little deeper than than his lawyer but like um his lawyer it just seems like he's He's not really a friend. Um, he might have had dinner with him a few times and with his family or whatever, but that's the gist of their relationship. They, yeah. They're just kind of lawyer-client relationship. He's like, all right, don't buy this. He's trying to talk him out of buying the tree, and then they get to that little spat, whatever that was, and then he's like, just buy that, just buy the tree. He's like, okay, and he just does it, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, speaking of the spat, what did y'all think about the replacement of cuss instead of cuss words? That was good. I like yeah, that. I think it, I thought it was funny. I thought it was kind of like, if you're going to do it, like that's the way to do it. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to not cuss, but you really want to give that idea of using cuss words, mm -hmm. he's like, like the first one, he's like the cuss you are. It's just so, so freaking funny. He's like, you cussing at me? Don't cuss at me. And then they get in that little, <laughs> little growling match or whatever. Um, and, and then they, they cuss a lot in that movie. Cuss in quotation marks, really of course. Cursed. Yeah. And so uh, I thought the, the cursed cussing thing was, was funny. Obviously, you've had my take on it. I wish it went deeper in places, but 
this whole thing's named after this movie. You mm-hmm. obviously love it. So give us your take. Why do you love this movie so much? I love it because I love stop motion animation for one. It's my favorite type of animation. Um, and if I had the patience to do it, I would make my own freaking animated movies like that. Um, and then I, I just like the, I just like the story, the idea of this like father who is kind of selfish, but it's kind of being made out to that he's doing it for his family. And there's just like these kind of crossed wires as to which is which until it comes to a head. Right. And it's like, okay, now I need to protect my family. I need to not worry about what's going on in in my life as far as like you know he he 12 what was it 12 12 fox years later he's you know a newspaper man and he just he's he doesn't want to live in a hole anymore and so he wants to do something better and like and i think we can all relate to that right we just want to have some sort of better life and so he does it with the tree but then of course he sees the farms and he's like hey i have an idea i want to do one more you know one more uh just want to dip my toes back into it a little bit and they get out real quick. And then of course it all like he kind of screws over their lives and stuff and just bought that tree. He just bought that tree. I don't know. I just, I like the idea of this almost absent-minded father who's who uses like greed and, and wanting to, you know, one more last taste adventure as like doing it for his family. And then he's kind of like realizing like how important his family really is. And then of course it's Wes Anderson. I love Wes Anderson. Like I love everything about like what he does. Now don't get me wrong. There are some movies I don't care for. Like uh, bottle rocket was his first movie and it was funny, but it wasn't like that movie was kind of like a regular old movie. You might see in theaters as opposed to a Wes Anderson movie, but everything after that, like I really enjoy, I have all those movies. And so whenever we were creating this podcast, you know, I, can't, I was like, it just had a certain ring to it. The Fantastic Mr. Podcast. Of course, we added the the at the beginning because I didn't want to be too much like because this movie is called Fantastic Mr. Fox. Um, so I wanted the the in there just because it, it had a had a cool ring to it. The Fantastic Mr. Podcast. Um, and I thought, I don't know, just like a great movie and a great namesake. So why not? Right. I could watch this movie over and over again. Yeah, I appreciated the moments when they're realizing that they're animals still and having like little moments of animalistic behavior yeah like when they eat yeah like or the, the the little tuffles that they have the little fights yeah the little growling matches that's what i call them because they don't actually do anything they just growl at each other but yeah they kind of like they're all they're all given human characteristics which they have to because we wouldn't be able to empathize or sympathize with them if they weren't if they were just animals right so we give them a house, we give them clothes, we give them voices, we let them stand up. But then it's like those little moments where like, in the first time I remember uh, we saw it was whenever uh, Mrs. Fox gave Mr. Fox like a, a stack of pancakes or whatever it was. And he just like devours them. But like, but it's like, he, how many bites did he actually get? You know, cause he, most of it ended up on the table. Um, so I like those little moments of animalistic behavior between, yeah, like you said, Zach, between, you know, as animals being animals. I wish there were more moments of showing like wild animals that are on all fours. Yeah, I don't think there were any, were there? There, well, there was like, a, wasn't there a wolf? Like a black oh, wolf? Oh, yeah, yeah. But he went, but he did this thing. So it's no. like, <laughs> like immediately it just takes away from that wild animal when he's like, <laughs> I'm not completely yeah. rabid. That kind of plays in. What's that white stuff around his mouth? <laughs> Justin, you were talking about 
you enjoyed, you know, you guys make me think the rabies. How you enjoyed the fact that he was kind of like this father with his wires crossed, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're also talking about how we dress them up as like humans and mm-hmm. material. This might be, you know, this I don't know. I'm just gonna say it. So maybe the point of the film was for Mr. Fox. He's facing that draw to the animalistic side. He's dressed up like a man. All these, all these animals, and they reference it. They're all dressed up as like animal, uh, as as people. people. They go about and make play, make believe at being people, but they have these animalistic tendencies, and they're fighting against, especially Mr. Fox. I think he's fighting against his natural tendency to be. A fox, yeah. while at the same time trying to be a father, and they even say it throughout the film. And they're like, "What are we? Mm-hmm. Wild animals?" And then at the end of the film, maybe he's finding that acceptance of who he is because there's that wolf, and the, the yeah. whole time, the whole movie, he's like, "I have a phobia of wolves." Well, why? Why did he keep saying that? Maybe he's afraid of what the wolf represents—the animalistic nature. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, maybe it's because at one point that's what he was. You know what I mean? And by he, I mean like his ancestors, you know, they, it's almost like evolution where, you know, if you believe in that, it's, we, we came from apes. Well, maybe he came from a wild fox that evolved into this human like fox and he's afraid he might be reverting back to yeah. that somehow. Kind of shameful of his upbringing, his past. Shameful, shameful of his animalistic nature, shameful of who, mm-hmm. what he is. Yeah, that's true. That's that's an interesting point, and, and, and that could beats. be that could be something that people feel in real life for many reasons. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, that makes me like the movie a whole lot more. Yeah, I like that idea of him coming up, coming up with you know, coming up to the wolf, and the wolf's like, "Yeah, I'm on four legs, but I can still talk to you as this wild wolf that probably can't talk." like Mr. Fox can, but he's, you know, he, he talks, speaks to him in French for some reason, um, asks him if they're in for a hard winter or something like that. And he, like the wolf doesn't understand because he's a freaking wolf. Right. Except for the, when he does this and he just, that, yeah. yeah. And they just, that's it. That's, that's their communication and they go. And I don't know, maybe it brings him some sort of, like you said, Jake, some sort of solace, like he's okay with, with who he is, because that guy is okay with who he is and he's not humanified, if you will. Um, I made that word up just now, you know, he's not a human type animal as like, you know, Mr. Fox and everybody else, but anthropomorphic. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's not anthropomorphic and he's just a regular old freaking wolf and he's okay with how he is. So why can't I be? And that's maybe that's how he, you know, comes to terms with, living in a hole and all this stuff, like, and having this, you know, I, I would say boring life. Cause I think that was what his issue was at the beginning of the movie was, you know, he, him and his wife, they, you know, still squabs together and all this stuff. And then they get caught. She's pregnant. She's like, no, you can't do this anymore. And, you know, they have, it was a 12 Fox years later, two non Fox years later. You no, know, he, he lives this kind of boring life as a newspaper man, raising a family. And that kind of, bothersome you know so yeah i like that idea of of him not being able to come to terms with the fact that you know he's got a family he's got responsibility he can't be running around stealing chickens and uh what is it chicken 
one of them has a chicken farm. The other one has a turkey. Not, a, I mean, one of them does have a. There's turkey and apple farm, and then there's that the third farm. I can't remember what the animal was for that. Uh, huh? The cider turkey and apple farm was where the cider came from. That was Bean's farm. He has a turkey, turkey and Adam farm, which he created uh, a species for both. And then there was another farm. It was turkey, goose, and goose. Chicken. Thank you. It was yeah, turkey, turkey, goose, chicken, and cider. I like that a lot better. Well, if you, I mean, the whole, the whole, the whole movie, I was like, I feel like he's driving at a point, and then I'm just either not he skips getting it, away or I'm not getting it. <laughs> well, it took having to talk to us about it for you to understand. It. Yeah, I've got to analyze. Break well, you know, down. when you watch a movie by yourself, sometimes you just don't. You just don't understand until you talk to other people. Like with the whole Infinity War thing, it's like you need to watch it as if Thanos is the anti- or the protagonist, and it's like, oh, you know, you didn't ever think that until you somebody told you that. You yeah. know, so sometimes that's just how movies work. You got to have be able to have the conversation with other people. That's what I liked about going to film school is you're able to have those conversations. The thing that sucks about film school, and if anybody's ever thinking about going to film school. Don't let people tell you what you can and can't watch. And by that, I mean, like, for some reason, film students think they can only watch indie movies with, like, Wes Anderson, right? Um, <laughs> and they can't watch Fast and Furious or whatever. And it's like, no, nah, man, if you want to watch a Michael Bay movie, like, film students, man, they don't care for Michael Bay. I can, let me go ahead and tell you. They don't, they don't like him. Uh, and it's because there's just no story involved. And I'm like, dude, but there's explosions. Like if you saw something explode in front of your face, wouldn't you be excited? Like, yeah, you would be. So why can't you go see a Michael Bay movie? Or why can't you watch cars drive really fast into a helicopter into space or whatever? I think that's the newest one where they go to space. It's like, it's not real, but heck, it's a fun movie. Sorry, I went on a tangent there. Watch what you want. Yeah, that's that's basically what I'm what I'm getting at is like, even if you're in a film school, it's like go watch whatever the crap you want. I did. My favorite movie is The Mask. <laughs> we need an episode on that unless we've already. I thought about that. Thought about that recently, and we're th- thinking about talking about The Mask. We need to. What we need to do is pick our like top favorite movie ever, and do an episode on each. I think that'd be fun. Anyway, all right. Any final thoughts about Fantastic Mr. Fox? I think that this might be a short episode, but that's okay. We're just reviewing one movie. It's not like a, having to review a whole franchise or something. It's a movie that I need to watch again to get a better the appreciation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, understand certain nuances. But yeah, I got some of the basics. Uh, I um, understand I them a, more from this conversation. Yeah, I, I took a class in college. It's called Wes Anderson. I might have told you guys this. Wes Anderson versus Paul Thomas Anderson was the name of the class. And basically, it was a discussion class. And we watched every Wes Anderson movie to, to date at the time and every Paul Thomas Anderson movie to date at the time. And that was – and we have talked about this because that was – Remember that assignment I had to do, Zach? And we went to the supermarket, and I had to take a picture of you in front of the – last time when I, I brought was this up – Was that at Edgar's Food Giant, whatever that place the, is called? The place that you said you frequent. That's why we went there because you said you go to that store a lot. Well, it must have been a, a Kroger then, I guess. No, it wasn't Kroger. It was a, <laughs> It was like an independent grocery store. What? Yeah. What? Wait, what, what independent oh, grocery Trader store did I go Joe's. to? That's what it was. Trader Joe's. No, it wasn't Trader Joe's. God, no, it wasn't Trader Joe's. (laughs) Do they even have those in Arkansas? Yeah, we have Trader Joe's. Rook? One. 
Oh, it just—I mean, it was—it was. It was I was still at Channel Seven whenever. Uh, yeah, I was too. Trader man. Joe's came around. Was it Edwards Food Giant? I think it was. It might have been in Edwards Food Giant, but it was. I a, I never it went was there a for stories. <laughs> but we went there. Yeah. For this, I remember? I remember. Yeah. And so, like, now that, that you brought that it up, bring, I'm seeing the flashbacks in my head. Yeah. That was the class I had to do that for. And it was, that was a cool class. Cause not only did we watch these movies, but we talked about them. Of course I listen to everybody else talk. I'm not a big discussion person when I'm in the class. Um, but, uh, that was a cool movie or excuse me, cool class. If you guys ever watched any Paul Thomas Anderson movies, you should watch the master with yeah, Joaquin the, Phoenix. Yeah, you would, you and Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> we have a thing. That, that movie is we need to do with that the her, a her, her discussion. Example. A, a good was a great example of dynamic symmetry. Oh yeah, the master in ages. I liked. I think one of my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movies, of course, was Punch, Punch Drunk Love. I really love Punch Drunk Love, and that was the movie that I took picture review of from that. The scene I had to take picture was from Punch Drunk Love. Um, so people also, in your class saw me. Yeah, they did. But you were like, I th- <laughs> they you were like turned. You had your back turned to the camera. Damn. Um, yeah. But then um, also, there will be blood. Was a great. That's got Daniel Day Lewis in it and Paul Dano. And that movie mm-hmm. is yeah. great, dude. That like I remember that. Probably one. Bowl- I like the bowling ball scene. Yeah, he kills him in that in that scene. I believe with a bowling ball, if I'm not, not mistaken. Um, so yeah, we should do a movie on Paul Thomas Anderson movie and talk about that because I think that would be an interesting I don't know why I think he only did that class because both their last names are Anderson mm-hmm. um, I mean they, they they don't really share much similarities as far as like style and stuff goes not even really dialogue I mean, that's clearly, clearly why they have the same name and completely different styles I mean I mean yeah and we didn't ever compare you know a Paul Thomas Anderson versus a Wes Anderson movie we just talked about the last movie we watched it wasn't any comparisons to either director i know isn't that weird um i don't know why but it was it was his class so anyway any final thoughts sorry i know i said that already but final thoughts i think it's a wonderful film um especially now that we've talked about it i liked it a lot more now that we've talked about it and i feel like i've found some sort of meaning to it Lovely stop motion, and it has West Anderson's charm. So, did your wife watch it with you? No. Why not? She had. I had the day off. I had Juneteenth off. Oh. And she did not, and so I spent the day watching movies. I went to the theater and watched Super Mario Bros. And then came home and by yourself. By myself. Did you not go see that together? Is that the first time you saw that movie, Super Mario Brothers? Yeah. Yep. What'd you think? It was okay. I think it wasn't as good as I was really hoping. I did really enjoy it, but I wasn't like, oh my God, I that thought, was so great. I thought to myself, this would make a great kids movie. My daughter would enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. Not, I'm not the target demographic anymore, but my daughter would love it. So, yeah, I overall, think good movie. For me, it was mostly a nostalgic, nostalgic value for that movie, but... Like, I mean, I thought it looked great. I mean, I thought Chris Pratt and Charlie Day did great as voices. Like, when you start watching it, you forget it's those two doing the voices because I think they kind of blended into those characters pretty well. Um, So, yeah, I I didn't go into it thinking it was the best movie ever, but I was like, I liked it, and I actually bought the movie. I got the movie in here somewhere. 
All right, Zach, what about you? Final thoughts before we get done here. Yeah, as I said, I need to see it again to appreciate it more, but I enjoyed the movie. Great. Great. I'm glad you guys liked it. Uh, so I guess that'll be uh, it for the Fantastic Mr. Fox episode of the Fantastic Mr. Podcast. Podcast. Thank you, Mr. Um, so if you enjoyed this episode, let us know. Um, if you didn't let us know, you can hit us up on um, YouTube or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, all the podcasts, Spotify, places, Spotify. Yeah. Um, and also hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube and let us know what you thought. If you have any episode ideas for episodes, you can let us know that too. Um, and I guess we will see you next time. Episode two. Yeah, I have a. Oh yeah, this is that. That concludes a first episode of season three. Man, can't believe we made it to season three, guys. Um, we so did it. We we did it. We can quit now. <laughs> yeah, everybody yeah. have a fantastic day. Bye.